Alright, assalamu alaikum. My name is Fatima Sabra and I'm the host of your Muslim Girl Podcast, where you can come and get advice and we can all learn and grow together. Today I'm really excited because I have a special guest with me here today. You guys have heard her before. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> Sorry, it's perfect. That was your cue. <laughs> uh, my name is Tuka Ali and I'm so happy to be here again. This was such a fruitful and insightful discussion last time and I just can't wait to get started again. Inshallah. Inshallah. And Tuka, you know, like our last episode, alhamdulillah, got, you know, a crazy amount of attention and love and alhamdulillah like i put out um this poll or this kind of question box for the spotify community and they were all like you know alhamdulillah i'm so grateful to have discovered this episode you know i really really enjoyed this so alhamdulillah was really really great to see the love that was coming in and we're at alhamdulillah at four point sorry five point four thousand um, listens on that episode so alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah, it's all from Allah, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, yeah. So, since you've been on here before, you kind of know how this works. Mm-hmm. So, what is something that you learned this week? Right. Oh, I forgot about this question. Okay, well, I can say the most recent thing because it's, uh, it's what's on my mind. So, today in Halaqa, we talked about our favorite ayah in the Qur'an which was it's not really something I've talked about before. It's usually like, what's your favorite surah? Or within a surah, like, what's your favorite ayah? Or we just like talk about the tafsir. But this time it was like, out of the whole Quran, what's your favorite ayah? Or at least, what's the ayah that kind of touches you the most? So I was thinking and thinking, and then this ayah just like randomly popped in my head. And it's the ayah from Surah Taha. And I'll just like state the beginning part of it because... It like the second half is not really, um, it doesn't really hit as much. But أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ومن أعرض عن ذكري فإن له معيشة ضنكا. So this essentially translates to, um, and whoever is forgets me or leaves my remembrance or kind of goes astray from the path of Allah, they will live the worst and most miserable life and it kind of sounds like a little bit extreme and even the word like dunka in arabic like the reason that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used that word it can't be translated to english but essentially it's because it's like the most the worst of the worst almost condition like just absolutely miserable and depressed and just lost and completely like the lowest of the low. And, you know, the reason why this ayah specifically stuck out to me is because it's true so much. Like in my own life, when I feel like my iman is lacking, or I feel like even just a little bit, the the tie I have has been cut from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's when I feel like my life has just fallen apart quite literally so it's like my grades start to plummet my family relations just are not going well you know I'm not in the best mood everything is just piling my work is piling up like I'm just super super stressed and then subhanallah in the opposite 
it's like when I'm close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I feel like my iman is like at its peak, that's when I feel the most relaxed and at ease. And subhanAllah, it's almost like everything else in my life just falls into place. You know, my grades are doing fine, alhamdulillah. My um, relationship with my parents and my siblings and even my friends are going well. You know, I'm just happier. My work is okay. Like, you know, subhanAllah, it's like when you prioritize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you make it that main thing in your life, not, you know, let's go to work, school, job, this, that, and then, you know, okay, if I have time, maybe I'll read a page of Quran, you know, no, it's like when you make it your priority, your main thing in your life, that's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will just allow your life to fall into place. And I think that's quite literally what this ayah is is saying, you know, if you forget about Allah in your day-to-day affairs, then it's not even worth going to work and going to school because that there's going to be no barakah in that. You're just going to live a really miserable and depressing life. So, you know, at first glance, it's a little bit extreme and it's a little, it kind of took me off guard. But when I kind of dove deep into it, it really, really hit me because it's, yeah, it, it reflects my experience perfectly. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah, that is a beautiful, beautiful reflection, a beautiful thing to take away from that ayah. And I think it kind of connects to the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, right? Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about how, you know, when my servants call upon me, I am near. I respond to the call of the caller when he calls upon me. Mm -hmm. And it's conditional, right? It's not like um, you have to make the effort first. Right, you have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay, Ya Rab give me this, Ya Rab help me with this. Right? You have to make that first step. And yeah. then what comes after is like through the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and through, you know, all of his amazing attributes and whatever else, but you have to make that effort first. And in order for Allah to make you a priority, you have to make him a priority. You know, and mm-hmm. I think it's so easy to forget that. SubhanAllah, you're right. It's so easy to get distracted in this dunya. But I think like when you have that consciousness of Allah, it almost makes everything you do so much more purposeful and just meaningful. And you just reap so many benefits out of that, SubhanAllah. And actually like the ayah that you mentioned, I was actually, SubhanAllah, doing some research about that ayah as well. And it the ayah is, it goes like, if your if a servant asks about me, then I am near. So it's like Subhanallah. It's telling kind of someone else, like a third party, if someone asks about me, and then you know naturally the response should be then tell them I am near. But Subhanallah, because of the like the proximity of the word, because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala didn't want to put then tell them I am near because even the words would kind of make it further away it was like i am near like right from the get-go just even in the words that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put together that he is near he didn't even want to put words in between those the words do you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. yeah subhanallah so that's really interesting too yeah, subhanallah honestly the quran when you begin to examine it and you take it in for yourself and you personalize your relationship with the Quran, there is just so much that you're able to take in. 
you know, because the Quran wasn't just sent to a people over a thousand years ago. It's meant to be applicable to us. And in order for us to be able to internalize that message, we have to learn about it, right? And we have to be able to take that, okay, how am I applying this in my life? Am I one of these people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing? Who am I in this situation? You know, and really taking that and internalizing that and then inshallah growing from there and using the Quran really as your guidebook. So... Yeah, hundred percent, Subhanallah. And I, I think I quoted this last time, but another, just, just to hammer it home, <laughs> um, they say like when you receive a package, um, let's say you're building a machine and you have all these different parts, what is the first thing you're gonna do? You're not gonna start putting the parts together without, you know, without any background. You're gonna look to the instructions manual first thing. And Subhanallah, the Quran in our life is kind of like that instructions manual in order to like operate and maneuver through the the twists and turns of life and the hurdles that life throws at you you have to know how to approach them and that's exactly what the quran offers it's literally a guidance an instructions manual for your life subhanallah subhanallah 110 percent. and you know i find it really interesting that you brought up um the ayah talking about how you know our lives become so much more difficult when we forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you know I was kind of thinking like you know what is it like to live a life like non-Muslims like you know just out of curiosity what is that like you know they have all of this like you know partying and they're out with people and doing whatever kinds of haram things right yeah and I was like it's not worth it because at the end of the day what do you have do you really have anybody's respect from that? Have you really grown from that kind of lifestyle, you know, from going out and partying and doing it whatever else? At the end of the day, you haven't, you know, you haven't gained anything from that. It's not beneficial to you. And that's something that I definitely relearned this week, that this life really is just a glamorous image, right? Mm-hmm. And that so much of what is in it seems to be beautiful right but it's actually ugly and it's something that we would want to protect ourselves from protect our family from and yet we engage in those sins so i think that's just kind of a little bit of a reminder that we need to make sure that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the front of our minds and that we are making him a priority so that inshallah we don't live those miserable lives and we don't have a miserable akhirah as well absolutely yeah couldn't agree more um, like specifically that I, I think about that too subhanallah and this is kind of a segue to a different topic but um, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so so merciful to give an atheist let's say someone who rejects the idea of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence firstly but that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful and and generous that he gives that atheist a house a roof over his head you know kids a wife a whole family and just wealth like sometimes like atheists are like millionaires and subhanallah they don't even they don't even believe in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the idea of allah so it just goes to show like how merciful allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and how like money and wealth and you know having all these materialistic things like let's say even the ability to like go out and party and drink all of these things might seem from an outsider's perspective like at a glance like amazing and super like fabulous and luxurious and fun 
But subhanAllah, like it's a test from Allah, first and foremost. And secondly, it's temporary. Like, sure, you're going to be enjoying it in the moment. But once that, you know, the the next morning, you're going to wake up with like a hangover. You're not going to feel good at all. You're going to feel sick. And then in the akhirah, like long term, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask you what you did with your wealth, what you did with your family, what you did with the opportunities that you had that you didn't take advantage of. So subhanAllah, like even if you look at people who have all of these things and are able to do these things from an outsider, yeah, it looks amazing. But Allah's more knowledgeable like than any of us. And he knows that this is not this is not the, the lifestyle that we should desire, you know? So subhanAllah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Honestly, it is crazy that people get caught up in that and sometimes we do too right because we're bombarded with this image all the time social media you know when we go out with people and you know the more that I'm learning and growing and just you know being in classes talking to my friends I'm becoming aware of how big a difference there is between the western ideas of what's fun and cool or even what's normal and acceptable tends to be very very different from the Muslim and Islamic perspective because you know they'll be talking about something like it's completely normal and I'm thinking to myself that's not something that we should be normalizing that's not something that I should be laughing at or something that I should be compliant with because it goes against what I believe and it goes against what like you know the morality and the modesty that Islam has taught me and we just get so caught up in that you know yeah and I think (laughs) kind of moving on to our topic um our habits really help shape that yes like we are and you know exactly like it's our systems right that we fall back onto, and they're a good indicator of what we actually prioritize and who we are as people right and I think now is a good moment to kind of take a look and see okay are my habits reflecting the person that I want to be is this the person that on the day of judgment I want to show up and say Allah, I did this Y'all, I did this. You know, when you're questioned about it, are your habits things that are going to get you to Jannah or are they things that are going to take you away from Jannah? Absolutely. SubhanAllah. Okay. So, as for our quote of the week, it is by everybody's favorite author, James Clear. And he says, you choose the future with your actions every day. And I think this is just such an amazing quote because it also kind of reflects the Islamic mindset where your actions lead directly to your fate in the Akhirah, right? Not only are your actions deciding how you're going to function tomorrow, how you're going to function in five years, but it is directly contributing to your future after death. Yeah. You know, I heard um, someone else... uh, told me that I guess for the listeners whoever's like kind of in high school university and like a little bit above that age that specifically the habits you build within that age group are the habits that you're going to live by for 30 40 50 years plus afterwards like you're literally building your future right now so the habits that you build right now don't tell yourself oh like inshallah in the future I'll change because number one you don't know if the future is guaranteed we all know that but number two is the the ability to build a habit 
is is really hard in itself but if you're not taking this step now to build that habit who says that in 10 20 years that you're going to take that step you know mm-hmm. so, so yeah that was really interesting 100% I agree so I do have a couple of questions for you because you are our habit expert <laughs> and our psychology expert um so how do we keep our habits going after Ramadan you know, because sometimes, you know, we come out of Ramadan, we're like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be amazing. And I have this accountability partner and we're going to check in on each other. And then everything just falls apart. And sometimes even completing the five daily prayers becomes a struggle, you know, because Shaitan's back out and he's trying to, you know, put his fingers in all these little pies that we've tried to, you know, <laughs> bake, if you will, over the course of Ramadan. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do we, how do we cope with that? How do we keep those habits going? That's a great question, mashallah. Okay, so firstly, um, I learned this years and years and years ago, and it stuck with me until today. So I'll I'll say that just as the short answer. But um, firstly, because you went 30 days without, let's say, committing a sin, okay, like a specific sin. And then let's say on the first day of Eid, you commit that sin and you say that, oh, well, the shaitan is out. Like you just blame shaitan. You can't actually use that as an excuse on the day of judgment because you just went 30 days without doing it. And because you were able to do to not do that, you, the excuse that, oh, the shaitan made me do it is not going to be like applicable on the day of judgment because you were able to stop yourself. So that's first and foremost. Like, if people are sort of going to... Um, and myself included, sort of lie back and commit sin and just blame it on shaitan, that is not, um, you know, that's kind of like the easy route out. And you know full-heartedly that even if the shaitan was there, like during Ramadan, you would still, you know, stop yourself. Like, Like the sin is from you, not from shaitan. And kind of in like the reverse aspect if you are committing a sin during ramadan that speaks even louder that it's it has nothing to do with the shaitan it's within yourself um committing that sin so it's from your own nafs so i think the first thing that we need to tackle is your own nafs your own desires and i think making a list and being very organized with it and very clear and blunt these are my desires and how are you able to tackle each one? So, and I know it's tacky, but the SMART goals for everything you do, not just breaking a bad habit, but also for building good habits. So to answer your question, I think it's to look within yourself for two things. Number one is your intention. Are you doing this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And if so, then that's already, you know, a green check mark. Like that is great. If you're doing this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you've already put a purposeful, meaningful reason for it. If not, if not, let's say, you know, you want to build a, a good habit because I'm just going to throw an example, like you're trying to get married and you want like a potential husband to notice you. That's a huge red X because that means first and foremost that it's not sincere for the sake of Allah. And secondly, 
that it's just going to be temporary. You know, maybe let's say you do get that person's attention, then what? You know, you're just going to stop. So in order to truly, truly build and continue and maintain a good habit, it needs to be for the sake of Allah, because that's that higher purpose. It's not for any surface level dunya purpose, whatever it is, money, attention, you know, job opportunities, whatever it is. No, it's for Allah, because you know that the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is much, much higher than you can even imagine in terms of the dunya. And secondly, you need to have sincerity. So what's the difference between intention for Allah and sincerity? So sometimes when you have the intention to do something for the sake of Allah, and then you get like halfway through it and you start getting, you know, maybe attention from someone or um, monetary, you know, uh, reward, and that starts to drive you, then subhanAllah, your intention starts to shift. And that's what's really, really scary. So that's the importance of renewing your intention. And this idea of renewing your intention is kind of where sincerity comes into play. So when you're sincere about a good deed or a habit, that means that you are continuously reminding yourself that it is for the sake of Allah, truly and solely, and not for anything or anyone else. So those are two things that you can look within yourself for in order to maintain a habit. Another thing I will add is that when you are doing something alone, it becomes very, very, very difficult, more than if you are engaging in it in a group. And this can go for something good and bad, unfortunately. It's just human nature. So um, in a hadith, uh, Rasulullah says, Al-jama'atu baraka, al-jama'atu khair. So that being in a group is has barakah, it has khair, like it, it has goodness and blessings in it. So doing things together as a group, setting goals, collective goals, where, like you said, you can hold each other accountable. Maybe one person is lacking, one other person can drag them up, you know, and if that person starts lacking, you know, someone else can pull them up, you know. So it's not just because, yes, self-accountability is a very, very important trait and attributes but even the highest of scholars have you know their off days it's not always easy to stick to a routine and just having someone there to pull you up not in the sense that you know that your intention switches and now you're doing it because that person told you to do it no it's just as a reminder you know um, and, you know, reminder, it helps the believers. That's also uh, uh, an ayah in the Qur'an. So, um, yeah, uh, just to reiterate what I said. So, f- firstly, are two things that you can look within yourself. And that's a clear and purposeful intention for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then having sincerity in that. And then externally, things that you cannot really control are having good company, like surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals who have the same sort of goal where you guys can all pull each other up together, okay? And then maybe as like a follow-up thing, um, we can talk about how to um, get this good group of friends, but this is kind of off topic, but firstly, making du'a. Don't ever underestimate making du'a because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of doing so much. 
And, you know, subhanAllah, some people, they lose friends and they get sad, but they don't realize that that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is cleansing their um, external uh, friend group, you know, because that person might not have been the best for their iman or for achieving their goals for the sake of Allah. Um, so du'a yeah. is number one. And number two, I would say, is like getting out there in masajid or, you know, Muslim events and networking with like-minded individuals. And um, yeah, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, it's really, it's honestly so crucial mm-hmm. that we find good company. And I've noticed this in my own life where, um, you know, I'll not be as close with some people that I was super close with a few years ago. And, you know, sometimes it does make you sad, right? Because you obviously care about those people and they meant a lot to you and they still mean a lot to you, but you're starting to become a little bit more removed from them. And honestly, it is really just trusting in the last part of God's timing. Maybe right now you are going through something or they're going through something and you're just not good for each other, right? Like you said, like that person could hurt your iman. Maybe you are hurting them in some way, right? But at the end of the day, again, making dua, right? And asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those good companions, for righteous company that, you know, Allah loves. And then inshallah, Allah will love you because of you being in that environment of people that he loves as well. And, you know, there's a reason why there's a saying that, um, it takes a town to raise a village. Sorry, what am I saying? <laughs> I beg your pardon. It takes a town to raise a child. There we go. Um, because your environment dictates who you become later on. So it's, it is really, really crucial. A hundred percent. I agree. Okay. So next question. Um, what are some pitfalls to avoid? Because post Ramadan, you know, we fall into all of these traps or we start making these excuses for ourselves. So what are some pitfalls and then how can we avoid them? Okay, that's awesome question as well. Um, so I guess kind of relating it back to the first answer, um, some pitfalls to avoid are, and there are obviously things that you can't control, like external factors, but what you can control is what you have to tackle. Okay, so firstly, if you know that a friend is not good for you and they're clearly making you uncomfortable about the conversations that they bring up, let's say, or, you know, you, you can just tell that, you know, your amen just takes a dip and they clearly have influence, you for the neg- uh, influence on you for the negative when you're around them, that is something, that is a pitfall to avoid. You know, that is something that you need to cut out of your life almost immediately. So. I'm not going to go through, I guess, the specifics of how to do so, but there are ways to kind of wean off of a person subtly and slowly. And don't confuse this with someone who's struggling in their deen, but has no negative effect on you. So let's say there's someone who's very, very interested in learning in the deen. And every time you, you bring up the deen in front of them, their eyes kind of light up. But they're not necessarily the most religious person. That's not the type of person I'm talking about. Because those people can actually benefit you in the dunya and in the akhirah. Because you're actually, inshallah, going to be the person who pulls them into the deen. So, but then there's that clear distinction between someone who, you know, wants nothing to do with Islam and just completely talks the opposite. Those are the types of people that are toxic in your uh, friendship groups. And those are the types of people that you need to wean off of slowly and in a smart way, okay? Because you don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, dua, again, is number one. Make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just sort of 
um, refreshes or what's the word like filters through your your friend group and removes the toxicity in your friend groups and number two is you know maybe you're all you and your friend groups are all going out and that one person that you want to kind of cut out is going don't go you know one time and then um you know maybe they want to hang out alone just you know maybe make up an excuse you know hey i'm not um i'm actually busy i won't be able to come and, and you know inshallah slowly but surely that person will um make their way out of your life for the better okay and obviously make du'a for that person don't you know shun them or shame them for uh for being that way subhanallah we never know like maybe we could be that person in someone else's life who has you know higher iman than us so not to be boastful or 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 you know arrogant but um just so that we're moving in the right direction that's one pitfall that we need to remove okay so what's our next kind of pitfall to avoid okay so the next pitfall to avoid is having free time so subhanallah we're always asked about um our time and in, it's been emphasized in so many ayat and so many hadith talking about using your time wisely. So, um, I'm going to re- reference back to the ayah I started with. And I talked about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be the main source in your life. You know, everything you do should be for the sake of Allah. And alhamdulillah, we can turn everything we do for the uh, the intention of Allah you know going to school going to work we can get rewarded for for that but formal ibadah you know when you sit down and you read the Quran and you you really like study the religion i think that we don't have that enough in our lives and subhanallah naturally because of the way you know the dunya is 90% of our life is going to be going to school going to work but with that other 10% that free time that you have don't let that just be a waste of time, a kind of relaxation period uh, in your life. So that is one pitfall to avoid is the free time in your life. And how can you capitalize on that free time is by filling it with productive things for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so I always like to sort of refer back to the akhirah and specifically just death in general i think reminders of death are things we don't talk about enough but are very real and very um you know uh, a great reminder for us and the only thing subhanallah that we're going to ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for after we die it's not you know so that we can go back and give five dollars in charity it's not going to be so that we can go back and pray two rakat. no it's gonna be to go back and just have time like yeah Allah I just want five minutes I just want one more minute back in the dunya why so that you can do that khair so that you can do those good deeds subhanallah so our time is so so valuable and another thing about time is that it's the one thing you cannot get back. And subhanAllah, when I really when I heard this and I deeped it, it was so true because it's like you can buy something and then you can return it. You know, if someone takes something from you, you can get it back. But time is just like it just goes by and the five minutes that you spent scrolling on your phone, you'll never get those five minutes back. 
subhanallah. And if you just look back in your life, and myself included, obviously, at how much time, you know, even at the end of the week when your phone sends you that notification of your your screen time and how much time you spent on your phone, let's say, that time, you're never getting that time back. And subhanAllah, it always kind of hurts me to see that number because it's like how amazing my rank would have been if I had spent that time instead of on my phone, you know, reading Quran or doing some sort of ibadah or learning more about my deen. So that in itself is a huge, huge pitfall to, to avoid is just having free time and doing sort of nothing productive within that time. I totally agree. And you know, what's kind of funny is that as you were talking about your screen time, my time limit alert popped up. It was like, you have 20 minutes left for whatever apps. So I was like, subhanAllah, you know, that ties in perfectly because <laughs> you know, we're talking about that right now. But yeah, honestly, having free time and, you know, just not doing anything with it or not necessarily doing anything that's truly relaxing, you know, say um, you start reading a book, right? Like say it's fiction, whatever, like you're still relaxing, but at the same time, it's productive, right? It's not like you said, a time waster. So we need to be really, really careful of the time wasters because that's just so prevalent and it's everywhere and it's so, so easy to fall into those. And there's a reason why people say that idle hands are the playthings of the devil because then when you don't have anything to do, shaitan can come in, kind of mess around and then whoopsies, you've committed a sin and you don't want that to be like a big whoopsies (laughs) on the day of judgment. So you know, I 110% agree. That is definitely a big pitfall that we need to avoid. Yeah, 100%. Sorry, just to add one last thing. Um, and this is kind of like, just to refer back to like Islam. So there's a hadith, um, I'm sure we're all aware of, but it's uh, take advantage of five things before five things happen. Um, not in the particular order that it's in, but the first one is your health before your illness, your wealth before your poverty your youth before your old age your time your free time before your busyness and the last one is your life before your death to kind of sum it all up and I really really feel like those five things if we like dig deep into them are the five most overlooked or I guess taken for granted blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us you know when do we ever be like okay now I'm healthy I should go out and do xyz because when I get ill I'm not going to be able to do that almost rarely and you know if you have money you're usually just thinking about spending it in maybe selfish ways or you know if you have your zakat like okay I'll give my zakat but the rest is going to go to you know my new hijab or my new abaya whatever which is still, you know, it's still important, but subhanAllah, when do we ever think about giving to others? And then um, your, what is it? Your free time, like we just talked about, your free time before your busyness. Another thing we overlook, when we're free and we have nothing to do, at least speaking for myself, I don't necessarily resort to doing productive things. I kind of see it as like a time to relax, you know, Um, And I don't think about, okay, well, I'm going to get busy later. So maybe I should do things that are maybe not super time sensitive, but are still a priority, you know, like uh, learning about the deen or reading Quran, things like that. 
And then your youth before your old age, really, really big one. You know, we're all youth, we're all healthy. We have that sort of drive to change the world and to do to achieve so many great things that that motivation will not be there anymore when we're older. So we really, really need to take advantage of that mindset that we have now. And then lastly, of course, our life before our death. And that kind of sums it all up because everything that we have here in this life it's not going to be there anymore in the, in the akhirah. You know, it's all temporary. So we're going to be asked about every little thing, our health, every ounce of our health, every second of our time, you know, um, every penny of our wealth. Like all of these things are going to be, we're going to be held accountable to. So um, those are, I guess, just things to consider as well when, um, when maintaining your good habits is to look at the things that we kind of overlook in general, and capitalize on every single one of them, not just in one department. 100%. And that's honestly the beauty of Islam, I think, is that, I mean, obviously, there's many beauties of Islam, but the way that it looks at you as a holistic person, Mm -hmm. right, it looks at your wealth, your time, everything, right? And in order for you to be a good person, you have to focus on all of that. And we as a society have you know, we've focused on that and we understand that. But in practice, it's a lot harder, right? And that's where habits come in. That's where you have to make sure that you are in that good environment. And, you know, you are making Allah a priority because you being a good person comes from all of those habits. Yeah, 100%. And I love the word you used, holistic, because it's like, even if you're good at something, let's say I'm a very, very generous person and I can just give money like there's no tomorrow, you know, I can just give all my wealth and I have no problem with donating and giving gifts and charity and all of that. But, you know, let's say when it comes to prayer or fasting, that's where I'm like, you know what? No, like I can't. It hurts me too much. I I just can't do it. SubhanAllah, there's so much that we can always improve on. We can never be like, you know what? Yes, I've reached the top. I'm the best. No. Because even just saying that means that you're arrogant and that's something you need to work on, subhanAllah. So it's always, always just like a self-improving deen. And if you're good in this area, well, you're lacking in this one. So you have to do good. And if you're already good in this area, well, you have another area. So subhanAllah, like you said, holistically, um, you know, to achieve more. And on top of that is also to have a balance, you know, that it's not just to be very, very good in one area and to be lacking in others. No, we have to strive to have ihsan, to have excellence in every single area that of life and in Islam. You know, be the, 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 the best hafid. And you know what? If you did your, um, memorize the whole Quran in one qira'ah, well, you have like six others that you can learn, subhanAllah. And if you did the six others, then you have all the hadith books that you can learn. And if you did that, then, you know, there's even more. And if you're lacking in your prayer, okay, now you have prayer to work on. Your, your prayer is good. You have sunnah prayers. Your sunnahs are good. Okay, you have qiyam. Like, it's always, always a, a, a self-improving uh, deen. And one that, that's, like, I love the word you use, just holistic and, and all um, just well-rounded. SubhanAllah. Yeah, SubhanAllah. Honestly, it is, it is so amazing and 
you know, there are times when you just sit down and you think to yourself, like, Alhamdulillah, that I was born Muslim. Because some people really have to struggle for that. You know, like, subhanAllah, I've heard stories where these people are in incredible hardship to become Muslim. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they don't have many people surrounding them. Um, they're in a small town or whatever else. Their family doesn't know that they're Muslim. And, you know, they went through all of this struggle just to become Muslim. And we were born Muslim. And sometimes we don't even understand how big a blessing that is. Right? And so we kind of slack off because we're like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm Muslim. Mm-hmm. That's it. Alhamdulillah, you know, I'm good. <laughs> but that's not how it works. We do have to strive for excellence. And honestly, I think that that's just so beautiful that Islam pushes growth. It's not only something that's praised, it's something that's essentially necessary, right? In order for us to gain, inshallah, that higher reward in Jannah. Yeah, 100%. SubhanAllah. We always, 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 like because we are born Muslim, and even if we're not born Muslim and we converted, that the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was able to guide you to Islam is the biggest, literally the biggest blessing ever, like bottom, like hands down. So yeah, that's something that we, I guess, overlook every single day. Like, when do we just sit down and say, Alhamdulillah, I'm Muslim, Alhamdulillah, that I have Islam. Not that often, not as often as we should. Yeah, 100%. And honestly, I think that gratitude is one of those habits that we need to be focusing on. Because I know that when I start to focus on gratitude, you live life just under, there's this underlying sense of joy. There's no other way to describe it. There's this underlying sense of joy and contentment in your life where you're like, okay, you know, all of this stuff, whatever's happening, alhamdulillah, you know, and it's your life just feels so much better. Everything clicks into place so much faster absolutely yeah yeah and even just like tying it all together like yes having contentment is a huge huge thing in islam but so is ihsan and like moving forward and wanting to do better for yourself so just i guess having balance between i'm happy with where i am and i'm happy in the position that i'm in that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put me in but i also want to achieve more and be at a higher position so it's having contentment and being satisfied, but also wanting ihsan and, and looking at the future and higher. So that's really beautiful as well. And I think, honestly, like tying into what you just said, that you can use gratitude as a form of motivation for you to do better. You know, like, alhamdulillah, Allah gave me intellect, mm-hmm. right? He made me a person who's intelligent. Okay, now... Because, alhamdulillah, I have that intellect. I'm grateful for that. I owe it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do well in X, Y, Z. You know? Mm-hmm. So using that as like, alhamdulillah, like I'm content with this. But at the same time, I want to make it something that I'm showing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I'm grateful for. You know? So taking that gratitude one step further. Instead of saying, alhamdulillah, and just moving on. Turning it into something that you recognize and you actively work on to prove to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you are grateful for that for that blessing one million percent yeah couldn't have said it better okay so last question are there any reminders that you have like kind of mindset things things to keep in mind when you're focusing on building habits when you're trying to maintain these habits yeah you know like what are some reminders that you have for you know for me and for you and for the other people that are listening okay um 
this is one reminder and I usually say this at the end of like any talk or or like any reminder that I give because and then you know sometimes people will tell me like okay didn't you just negate everything you said by saying this but it's actually quite the opposite so I'll say it and then I'll kind of elaborate so the reminder that I have I guess just to leave us with this is to take it easy on yourself and to just take things one step at a time you know being super ambitious is amazing but you need to be realistic at the end of the day and so why do people kind of say that this is a negation of everything I said is because well I'm like I'm telling them do this do that xyz you know achieve 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 and then at the very end I'm saying okay but don't you know go easy don't aim super high right from the get-go but the reason why I say this is because sometimes when people have this reminder they're super ambitious and they just want to you know okay tomorrow I'm gonna you know read the whole Quran and it's like okay maybe you'll <laughs> maybe you'll you're, you'll read like 20 pages at most but that spiritual high if if you let it you know get too high well when something goes up super super high it's bound to come down and it's going to plummet at like a very like high rate so the reason why I want to say is to build it up step by step and it's actually the opposite effect it'll help you more to achieve that higher um, achievement that you want to get to but taking baby steps so let's say I want to pray Qiyam al-Layl don't just start by praying 20 rak'at right from the get-go and waking up like an hour before Fajr to do that no you know maybe you're going to if you're not someone who's ever woken up for um, Qiyam or like Tahajjud you're gonna want to probably wake up like 20 minutes before Fajr and pray maybe like two or four rak'at and then you're with and build from there because like I said if you're gonna just jump in full force with no prior you know experience or no skills to build that up it's bound to just come skyrocketing down downwards sky like a spiral downwards so yeah 100%. so it's super super important to yes be super ambitious but also just be patient with yourself and understand your boundaries and understand the level that you're at and inshallah Allah will look at your efforts in the long run not the reward or not the result so maybe you're not a hafidha yet but you're working your way towards that maybe you're memorizing even just one page a day or five ayat a day or just one ayah a day but at least you know your limits and you're pushing yourself every single day to achieve that excellence to achieve that ihsan and that is what matters 100% and honestly you know I think at this point everyone knows my favorite saying is growth isn't linear because it's not mm-hmm. right you can't go from okay if you take the example of hijab right you can't go from zero to 100% one goal right necessarily yeah. like sometimes it takes baby steps right so that's why you know kind of turning this to a little bit um onto a tangent but when it comes to hijab don't judge a person's hijab right don't judge a girl's hijab because you don't know what she's going through you Mm -hmm. know and we're all on this journey to continuously improve Mm 
So for someone to go up to a hijabi, say, at the masjid, um, and tell her, hey, sister, you're not wearing this correctly. What's the point? You're, you should just take it off. Okay, well, then you're getting rid of the 20% she's mm-hmm. already at. Then she's going to have to go from zero to 100 again, yeah. you know? Like, it doesn't make sense, especially, you know, when it comes to taking it easy for yourself as well, right? Don't negate the effort that you've already put in, okay? Just because you're at a place that you're, you know, that you're at right now, okay? Say you're memorizing an ayat of Qur'an a day, right? But you want to be memorizing however much, you know, at least you're putting the effort in, right? And then you can build up off of that. So I think that's super, super important to remember. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because people tend to get super ambitious with something and they're like, hey, 110% and then they hit the pedal to the metal and then they burn out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And you said it so beautifully. Like even when when interacting with others, you know, take it easy on them too. Not just yourself. Be patient with others. And I think it is easy to kind of judge and it is easy to take it hard on ourselves and say, you know what, like, you know, they say, yeah, you're, you are your own biggest judge. But um, the same way you wouldn't want someone to judge you, you shouldn't judge someone else and you shouldn't judge your own self. You know, you know your own capacity, you, you know your own limits. Um, and then also this concept of, of building habits, it can also go the same way uh, for, you know, stopping a bad habit. You know, let's say if someone listens to music and they're like an avid music listener and they find out that, you know, music is not the best thing to listen to. Maybe instead they want to replace it with Quran, you know, at going full force right off the bat. Maybe you'll last like a week at best, but, you know, the music is going to weave itself back into your life somehow if that's the approach you take. So, you know, for this example specifically, maybe limit your music intake to let's say an hour a day and then the next day you say okay 45 minutes next day 30 minutes and then you kind of and then maybe you know it's it's not uh sufficient enough to you for you to switch directly to quran you can replace your music with nasheed first you know and then eventually you lead your way into Quran, which should be the the ultimate goal, the end goal, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again sees the fact that you are trying to weave off of music and this is your path in order to achieve that and inshallah you will be rewarded for every single step of the way. But again, like you said, to just go full force and just completely cut out music and completely replace it with Quran like overnight, it's just not realistic and it's not long term. It's not going to last. 100%. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And to recap everything, because alhamdulillah, we had a lot of amazing points here. But I wrote down five main ones, just so, you know, we can kind of consolidate everything that we've learned today. So first thing, right, looking at your intention, purifying your intention and making your habits and actions for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And make sure that your intention is clear and purposeful. Then the second step, having sincerity and constantly renewing your intention. And the next thing is to make sure that you are in a good environment. So slowly starting to weed out those bad people, constantly making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you those good and righteous companions. Um, 
And that can be in the form of finding people that have the same morals as you, obviously. And that can be done through, you know, maybe networking at the masjids, things like that. Um, Okay, pitfalls. Some of the main ones are bad friends. Um, And then just having free time that you're wasting. And lastly, make sure to take it easy on yourself. Because growth isn't linear. Never was, never will be. So beautifully said beautifully beautifully said and um yeah jazakallah khairan for having me on here honestly it's always 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 a pleasure and subhanallah you're just such a beacon of knowledge like you approach things in such different angles that i don't even think of subhanallah so jazakallah khairan for enlightening me and allowing me to share my thoughts and ideas and again like it's always always a pleasure and i'm always happy to be on here so inshallah if there's ever an opportunity in the future i'm more than happy well yakum honestly i i learned so much from you honestly every time i mean i guess it's only been twice (laughs) but um (laughs) i learned so much from you and that's the reason why i asked you to be on here because i knew that you'd bring so much insight to the podcast and honestly inshallah help the people listening with like you know another point of view inshallah we're able to bounce ideas off of each other so i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be here and of course inshallah i will definitely ask you to be on the podcast thank you so much alhamdulillah it's all from allah and for you the same so yeah inshallah i look forward to to talking with you again inshallah in the future so i hope that you enjoyed today's episode i know i definitely enjoyed recording it And as always, please feel free to reach out to me if you ever have any questions or content requests on Instagram at Your Muslim Girl Podcast. Be sure to follow me on Pinterest because I do have some kind of motivating stuff on there as well. And definitely go check out my Patreon if you'd like to get access to my digital gratitude planner for free in addition to bonus episodes and a private community. So definitely go and check that out. And inshallah, I will see you next week. I am so grateful for you being here and supporting me on this amazing journey and being a part of this incredible community. So I will see you next week, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.